Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. NC State rides on the strength of the pack. And your biggest heartbreaks. And he missed it. NC State wins. What a game. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. Welcome back, folks. You are immersed in the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming. 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the social medias. The Wesson Walker Show pushing close to 1,000. We're getting there. We're getting there, folks. So keep those follows coming. Hit that follow button. Also follow at WFNZ on Instagram and Twitter at West Bryant underscore 72 at Walker Mail and at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram as well or X, whatever you prefer. But follow us there. We are back in team week into the thick of things with the NC State Wolfpack talking about that offense last year and before the season started I predicted that this was going to be a pedestrian offense when they lost Ameka Mezzi and Zonovan Knight and Big Icky that's playing down the road and a lot of those guys I thought that this offense was going to take a little bit of a hit and that they did they finished ninth in the ACC in points per game at around 24.3 thank god they had a pretty good defense to help them They were 11th in yards per game. They were 9th in total touchdowns, 13th in rushing touchdowns, 11th in pass efficiency, 12th in rushing yards per carry. I'm trying to get to some positives here, and they are coming, 11th in pass yards per completion. But they were 4th in pass attempts, 5th in passing touchdowns, 7th in first downs overall. And so the main thing for this offense is that they did put the ball up in the air a good amount, as you heard, they were fourth in pass attempts, but the rushing offense was not quite where it needed to be. You're talking about Jordan Houston at running back and the rest of that crew, not a star to emerge from that bunch, and that's one thing they'll need. But to come in and remedy the situation as Brennan Armstrong comes over from Virginia and his old offensive coordinator, Robert Anai, comes over as well. He is a three-time nominee for the Frank Broyles Award as the nation's top assistant. His offense has finished in the top 25 of 10 different NCAA offensive statistical categories, a total of 56 times in his 16-year tenure as an offensive coordinator, including 21 top 10 rankings. He's also got a nice list of quarterbacks that have played under him, whether you're talking about Bryce Perkins at UVA, Taysom Hill at BYU, currently on NFL rosters. Also, Kurt Banker, remember him? Max Hall and John Beck also played in the NFL. And then at Virginia, he led an offensive unit that ranked third in the FBS in total offense in 2021. That's what Brennan Armstrong is looking for because under an eye, he passed for 31 touchdowns, 4,449 yards, 
4,700 yards of total offense in his six seasons at UVA. The Cavaliers were bowl eligible in all but his first season in Charlottesville, highlighted by an ACC Coastal Division Championship and a trip to the Orange Bowl in 2019. So, yes, Brendan Armstrong wanted that old thing back. And he is and he is in Raleigh with Coach and I, and they hope to make some great music together to go with hopefully one of the ACC's better defenses. So it all revolves around the relationship between Anai and Brennan Armstrong. Dave Doran, after losing Devin Leary unexpectedly, when he told us unexpectedly losing Devin Leary to the transfer portal, he decides to go to Kentucky with the other guy, Mark Stoops, who was tied with Dave Doran for longest tenured coach at their current program. And so he went all in on the Anai Armstrong relationship. It all started when he decided to hire Robert Anai after his lone year with Syracuse, leaving Virginia and those quarterbacks that you mentioned, giving Brennan Armstrong by far his best season of his college football career, and then getting to the ACC championship game, by the way, competing against Clemson with the other QB you mentioned in Bryce Perkins, who also saw an NFL time. Bryce Perkins actually getting some snaps in preseason as well. Bryce Perkins being a good QB within the ACC. Can you replicate what he was able to do when he threw for close to 4,500 yards? When he ran for also um, what could be a record this year? at the NC State QB spot. Like the last time they had somebody run for over 500 yards, it was Jacoby Brissett. And we're flirting with a decade ago that Jacoby Brissett played at NC State. I do expect Robert and I to use the legs of Brennan Armstrong again. And I think having a dual threat quarterback with NC State, that's going to bring a completely different level to this offense. Something that we have not seen under Dave Doran in quite some time. I mean, Wes, you're talking about Pretty, I mean, except for MJ Morris, like some statues back there. Devin Leary, I saw that he ran for negative 73 yards last year. Mm-hmm. So not one that was going to beat you with his feet. The other guy you could go to before Leary, Ryan Finley, had like 150 yards rushing in the last season he played. Not necessarily going to beat you with his feet. Going to bring a completely different dynamic with Brendan Armstrong. Despite not having as much wide receiver talent as you've had in recent years, you do have your leading receiver coming back. But, man, it's it's going to be interesting between that offensive coordinator and quarterback. Can you get back to what Brennan did two years ago or anywhere close to it? You don't need to throw for 4,500 yards. You don't need to do that. But can you get 3,800? That'll do, especially with the rushing aspect here. I, I believe if, if you were to force me to go on one side or the other, I believe in Robert and I bringing out the best in Brennan Armstrong. There's a reason he advocated for Brennan West. He could have just gone somewhere else and nah, I don't want those problems. That was hard to do what I did in Virginia. Now he went back for him because he knew the kind of talent he had. Yeah, he definitely did. And so you, you like what you have there. Can Bradley Rosner step into that receiving core? Lord knows he's been in college long enough. So hopefully he can come in and provide them uh, with some relief at the receiver position. And then when you look at this team and, and the offensive line that Brandon Armstrong had to play behind last season, gave up 34 sacks at Virginia. And when you watch the games, I'm surprised they didn't give up 65 the way it looked. I mean, that was one of the worst collegiate offensive lines I'd ever seen. I did that first game against Illinois. Every time he dropped back, there was someone in his face because Virginia had so many transfers and defections from that line. But NC State, a little bit more uh, solid when you look at them giving up 26 sacks, an average of two per game. So Brendan Armstrong's going to like that. Also, you got good depth. They they may arguably have the best one-two quarterback in the conference. When you look at MJ Morris and what he was able to come in and do last year as a freshman, we know that it was a priority for him 
for them to keep him. We talked to Coach Doran about that at ACC kickoff, and they talked about how much work they had to put in to keep MJ Morris. So I think that they're good there. Trent Penix is an underrated tight end. Uh, when you look at what he can do, Porter Rooks is a Charlotte product. So hopefully he can emerge this year. And also Kevin Concepcion has been making some noise up there. And he's from Chambers High School, a.k.a. the old Vance High School. And he's been making a lot of noise, a big play player uh, that he's looked at as. And Keon Lassane, that's going to be their de facto number one guy to come into this season. So can he emerge offensively uh, also? Then you look at Jordan Houston. What type of year can he come back and have for this offense? He rushed for 544 yards last year, but didn't score a single rushing touchdown on the season. This team only had eight rushing touchdowns on the year, so that's got to get better when you're talking about controlling the clock. I mean, as a team, 3.3 yards per carry isn't going to cut it. Now, their backs, again, had some healthy averages but this is a team that definitely needs to give their quarterback some support from the ground game. And Brennan Armstrong's going to add to that because this is a guy also that can run the football uh, when need to. Just in 2020, he had over 500 yards rushing uh, for the Virginia Cavaliers, and he's got 20 rushing scores for his career. Yeah, you mentioned the 550. That would be a record for NC State quarterbacks. So yes. If you look at it right now, Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback that has run for the most yards in a single season at that spot. 2014 is when he did that. 517 from Johnny Evans in 1976 for you Wolfpack fans. A little blast <laughs> from the past for you. Probably wearing those 70s and 80s PE shirts that were getting in on the text line. But he could break this record. If you are if you are one that believes he's going to have to convert some of that 4,500 passing yard total into some rushing yards because maybe you're a little scared at what you saw last year, I don't know. But he certainly has the ability to set the rushing record at the QB spot. And Brennan Armstrong talked a little bit about why he works so well within that Robert and I system. One, he's played in it a few years. I mean, you talk about Bryce Perkins playing with the Nye. Man, Brennan Armstrong comes in as the starter in 2020, and then you get a couple of years in that system. So 268 passing attempts in 2020, 500. 500 in 2021, it goes down to 338 in a Tony Elliott system, and you have to learn something completely different. So now you don't have to learn something completely different. You know exactly what you're going to go back to based on your two most productive years at Virginia when he threw for 18 and 11 in 2020, touchdowns to interception ratio, 31 to 10 for Brennan. He said it's the freedom that he has that allows him to be so much better. It's from a quarterback perspective. I think Coach and I knows what he's getting out of me. I know what I'm getting out of him. There is a great connection between us two. And Wes, it's no coincidence that once and I left for Syracuse, Virginia's offense completely plummeted. Now, maybe some of that offensive line problem that Virginia was experiencing could have been offset from the athleticism that Brennan Armstrong had. Maybe and I could have had him on more rollouts, whatever, but it didn't work out. It didn't yeah, work out. Yeah, you're not overcoming year. that line no. that they had last year. No. <laughs> and, has, and NC State has three returning starters on the offensive line. You lose a Chandler Zavala, as he is now playing alongside Iki Kwanu here in Carolina, but three offensive line uh, uh, starters returning. NC State always has a pretty solid offensive line, yes, too. Dave yes. Dorn knows how to get the best of the guys up front. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so also, too, the interesting thing will be he's not going to play with quite as talented 
of receivers as what he had because Virginia has some talented receivers. That two offensive years line ago. Two years really ago, hurt them. Yeah. Well, even last year, you still had Keaton Thompson, who was a really good dual threat guy. Dontavion Wicks was yeah. coming into that season as one of the best players in the ACC. Lavelle Davis, the six-seven wide out, he was a really good prospect as well. Billy Kemp, that offensive line really, really hurt them because they could have had an explosive offense once again. So this is going to be interesting to look at Brennan Armstrong to where he'll come and play behind a little bit better of an offensive line, but then he's going to maybe sacrifice a little bit on the skill guy, and we'll see. So it's going to be interesting with NC State because I know a lot of people are just saying, man, if they could just get an offense to go with that defense, man. But football is so crazy. I've been on so many teams to where when the offense is doing well, the defense falls back and vice versa, so hopefully they don't get the reverse because one thing about these offenses of today, and then you can rock, is that uh, the pace that they play at and as quick as they score, sometimes you can have a great defense and guys will still wear down because they're still going to be on the field for so many plays. All right, before we get out of here, let's get some audio from Dave Doran, who joined us at ACC kickoff. Dave Doran talked about bringing in Brennan Armstrong to play alongside his new offensive coordinator in Robert and I. Well, when I heard Coach and I, uh, I asked him to go to our bowl practices and evaluate our team. And then talked to me about areas he thought we might need to get into the portal and, and find some older players for competition. And we lost Devin Leary and Ben Fenley in the portal. And so we were going to be returning two quarterbacks that were 19 and 18 years old. And so we wanted to find another guy that had some age, some experience. Uh, whether he'd win the job or not at that time, we didn't know. Uh, it just happened that Brennan was in the portal when we had that discussion. And so it wasn't like a package deal. You know, We had to go recruit. We recruited a lot of guys for that spot, and Brennan visited uh, Oklahoma State. He visited Wisconsin, visited us. Ultimately, this was the right fit for both sides, and once we got into spring ball and started seeing his command of the offense and how he could help coach it and different things, it made it pretty obvious that it was great having an older guy. There are still some state fans out there that would rather have MJ Morris start. There's actually a decent amount of them. I know you liked MJ Morris enough to give mm-hmm. him the starting job this season if you were an NC State fan. But the way Dave Doran talks, even if these coaches don't want to say he is officially the starter because they feel like it doesn't bring up the best of competition, they want to act like it's earned out there on the practice field. And it still can be by Brennan. But when you hear him talk, Recruiting him away from a potential Wisconsin landing or an Oklahoma State landing, and then that Brennan has such a command of the offense that an eye is about to implement. Man, he's going to be the starter, and he's going to be the guy, unless he completely, you know, maybe he performs like he did, and it wasn't all Tony Elliott and the offensive line's fault. If that happens, then Morris will get his shot. But I can't imagine it goes that way. I don't see much, you know, many significant snaps for MJ Morris despite injury here. I want to play some wait and see with it. I do think Armstrong is capable of having some success, but I'm not going to 100 percent say he's going to come in and pick up right where he left off at UVA. It's going to be an interesting situation. NC State fans want him to be the starter because they want to be able to keep him. That's the era we are in right now. If a guy's not playing and has got talent, the guy can leave. And so there's no question about that. I think they're still going to try to find some ways to throw MJ a little bit of a bone every now and again to keep him happy. But uh, next year, hopefully it should be his show. But when we come back, We're going to talk about the Carolina Panthers some more. Who's on the hot seat to make the 53-man roster? That and a whole lot more on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. This is another box. Goodness gracious. It's Wes. Oh, it's multiple. We got a little soccer ball. We got rugby balls. We got the basketball. And Walker. These guys are happy stuffed balls is what they are. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Good Lord. That's going to be a drop. (laughs) Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. We appreciate you sharing your time with us from 12 to 3. Yeah, going to bring in some rejoins. I'd... That's what I did, basically. You want to know what I did when I got home yesterday? What's that? Cleaned the fish tank and then worked on those rejoins. You made sure it wasn't uh, freezing? I made sure that it wasn't freezing. <laughs> I did wonder if I had a temperature problem, though, because Fitty had me tripping a little bit. I was checking the temperature of it. It was a little bit lower than what it said it was. Like, you have your heater, and it will give you what the temperature is. But I also have a thermometer in there just to make sure. And it was a couple degrees below. I was like, all right, might be time to get a new heater for that thing. You know, you are a cold-hearted person in nature. Does that not translate over to your fish? Or is it just to me? No, it's contagious from you to me, and I'm just trying to stay away. It's hard to clean a fish tank when I don't want the cold-natured stuff from you to me and then to go over to the fish and then freeze them where they go belly up. But I do think that I'm doing okay with it, and then I worked on those rejoins. I got like, what, 20 of them, 16 of them, I think is exactly what I put out there. Yeah, I don't know. I was already believe- I was already checked out when you sent the email over last night at 1137. So at 704 when I got up this morning. The first one I heard was the, the, the Brave Star one where Wes was happy that a kid overdosed. He was uh, smoking overdosed. that spin. <laughs> totally <laughs> forgot about that moment. I also have a, another story I meant to tell yesterday at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. So that's a good tease for our final segment because it, wow. was, it was scary. That was a great story. I have a great story for you that I will tell you at the end of the show. Honestly, I'm hooked. I'm doing the show, and I'm hooked, so I'm going to stick around. I'm a teaser and a pleaser. Yeah, you are. I appreciate that, Fiddy. I don't know why I responded that way. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Carolina Panthers, some of the comments coming from media availability today. I, I want to get to some of these comments before we dig into Joe Person's 53-man roster projection because we have comments at the right guard spot from the right guard that we're all waiting for in Austin Corbett. He spoke to media. And we're also getting a who is calling the play breakdown in the next game from Tom uh, Thomas Brown, who is speaking to media today. Let's go with the right guard position first. James Campen said that he will not give us some of the details as to what he had to say in the meeting with the offensive linemen after game one went so poorly for them. How many curse words do you think were dropped in that meeting? A bunch. I think, I mean... Because Cam Irvin dropped enough in the media, so that was just a preview. And and James Campen apparently did within the first eight minutes of his press availability. Like, his introductory press conference, he dropped uh, a curse word. You can't keep this guy from saying it. (laughs) 
Which I don't want my offensive lineman or offensive line coach to have a clean mouth. Not at all. Like I want you to be a sailor out there. Yeah, he shouldn't be. I mean, and very no frills. Offensive line, very no frills. And so when he gets up there, he's not going to be worried about being polished for the media. Those dudes are too big to be saying, oh, golly gee, uh, maybe if you just made this block. No, I need you cursing at those 300-pounders. You know, I get to work with Wes. I know what it takes, man. You got to get these big guys to listen because if you're going to come in meek, then they're going to walk all over you. You can't do that. Uh, right guard Austin Corbett did talk about his injury. So he's hoping to avoid starting the season on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list which would require him to miss the first four games of the season. Austin Corbett said, quote, I'll leave that to the people upstairs. I'll just do what they tell me and hope to get out there sooner rather than later. I think James Campen also said that there aren't any problems as far as the rehabilitation process goes. There's no there's no problems with it, but also he's not going to be ready week one. They've already talked about how he will not be ready for the opener. How dire is this? Because... If I'm at a one and a half on the panic meter overall on how the Carolina Panthers performed, mm-hmm. it definitely goes up in the process of us waiting for Austin Corbett to return because they tried a bunch of different dudes and none of them looked good. Michael Jordan looked the worst. We know if this was to be a survivor built position or competition over that right guard, Michael Jordan needs to be voted off the island. So he's gone. We make it to the next week before we actually get to the starter week one of the regular season. How dire is that situation at right guard after the first preseason game? Uh, It's definitely of the utmost importance. I mean, that's the fastest way to get to the quarterback is from the inside, man. And so some of the defensive linemen that you're going to have to deal with, I mean, hell, you talk about game one, you got to deal with Grady Jarrett and the crew in Atlanta. So you want to have that uh, sewed up by the time you go there. Then you look at the New Orleans Saints, Brian Bercy down there making some noise and some of those guys that they have on the interior. So, yes, it is of the utmost importance that they get this thing sewed up and they've got to figure out uh, that interior quickly. Yeah, I guess I want to go back to a Ron Rivera-ism when he would discuss how the answer was on the roster if there was ever a problem on the at whatever position, no, we think the answer's on the roster, and it's only a matter of time before <laughs> someone seizes that job. We haven't seen anybody do that with the right guard spot, but we do have one hopeful guy, and it's somebody I mentioned yesterday, and now we're starting to see him get healthier. It's your rookie and Chandler Zavala. At the guard position, Wes, you can come in and make an impact in your first season in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's why we were all very happy when the Carolina Panthers drafted Chandler Savala. We all thought about maybe pairing him with Ike Aquanu because you have real familiarity with there with those two guys working together on the left side down in a, or over at NC State. But Chandler Zavala is the one that brings me hope because Austin Corbett's going to come in and start as soon as he's healthy to go. But the fact that we didn't see Zavala go out there and struggle I'm hoping that when he's healthy to participate in a preseason game, that he can be the guy that says, all right, none of this, enough of this turnstile stuff, okay? I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm Chandler Zavala. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here blocking for Bryce Young a lot better than anybody else did as they tried to rotate a couple of guys at that position. If Chandler Zavala fails in the first preseason games <laughs> and then you don't get anything from a Jensen or a McCray or a Cade Mays, whoever, if you don't get anything from those other guys – 
that's when I'm going to start to worry before Austin Corbett comes Well, back. listen, on Friday night, I don't know who the Giants are going to play, but if they decide to play those starters, we're going to get a very good glimpse of what's going on in that offensive line because, boy, will they have a test coming. You've seen uh, Tombstone, right? Remember when uh, – yeah. I Clancy told me you, you got a fight coming. You got a fight coming today. That's okay. what's happening. You talking about Fitty, Le- Fitty loved that, by the way. Yeah. I just want you to know that Fitty loved yeah. you bringing that right. Yeah, you're up. talking about Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Ashawn Robinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. That's going to be a well-balanced breakfast for this offensive line on Friday, should they play. I wonder how many people are going to play, though, right? That's like, what yeah. I'm saying. You have to wonder. But then... Do you want to see them play so that you can get a little bit better gauge for this (laughs) offensive line? Or after what we saw Saturday, are you a little leery of watching these guys up against a front like this? Because this is a pretty formidable front. I would like to see them go up against these guys for a couple of series, a couple of possessions to see uh, what they can do against a formidable front. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm 50-50 on that. Because I want Bryce Young to get to the first game. <laughs> you don't want any parts of Dexter Lawrence or Leonard Williams laying hands That's right. on Bryce Young. Honestly, that could be bad. You know, forget all of this. I want to go against the best stuff. I'd rather just Bryce Young be okay in preseason game number two. Oh. And then let's get to game one. And then <laughs> let me go against the Falcons defensive line, who is okay. not as good as any of the two defensive lines at New York sports up there. Okay. And then you can get to New Orleans. And yeah, man, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with you just, all right, well, maybe the Giants hold these guys out. And uh, look, you don't want to get Kayvon Thibodeau hurt. You don't want to get Sean Robinson. Larry That's what Williams. you want to go in there and tell him before the games. Look, guys, why, why you want to play Dexter Lawrence? You just signed him. Come on, guys. Just I let him sit out. I think it's smart football if you sit those guys. I don't think the Panthers offensive line would appreciate you saying that. Well, they good. want the smoke. Good. Well, show it. Show some fire. Look, there's <laughs> got to be... I don't know if I, that was going to make sense. I was going to say there's got to be fire before smoke. Like, you got to have something <laughs> over there. And so bring the fire in this next game, and yeah. then I'll be cool with whatever defensive line that might be coming at you in the preseason or in the regular season. Let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Welcome the voice of Charlotte FC, Willie P. Willie, how nervous are you about this uh, game two in the preseason? Do you think the fan base will calm down by then? Absolutely not. Um, I'm ready for all the fire and the fizzle and the smoke and and, and the panic as well. Um, Look, guys, I I understand that the last three years were uh, traumatic to watch uh, as people who observe the Panthers, but I didn't think it was as bad as to be able to not contextualize what we saw on Saturday. I mean, the head coach even told you himself, we are literally not trying to do anything of any kind of semblance of just trying to do anything that, that gets our guys hurt and gives away anything. I mean, the, the preseason, and you guys know this, the preseason is for spots 30 to 46 on your game day roster. It's not for spots 1 to 22. It, it's for the guys who are on the periphery. And if you would be concerned about something, it's the fact that there is probably a dearth of talent in that part of the football team. That The fact is the Panthers' depth is probably very paper-thin, which I think is a broad concern to have, and I'm not saying that, that those concerns aren't valid, but to sit here and say that that translates to, oh, they're not going to go to the playoffs, or they're not going to win the division, or Bryce Young sucks, and this and that nature. Like, th- these, are, these are staunch conclusions to make when literally they told you themselves, hey, we're not trying to do anything. 
It's Willie P joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, giving you some Panthers analysis. Now, preseason, you're going to see some second stringers out there. Willie, you didn't call the second stringer game the other day. You got to call maybe the greatest of all time when you got to call Messi playing against Charlotte FC. What went wrong for FC? I mean, was it as simple as, hey, Messi just might be the GOAT? Well, I honestly think that that Charlotte FC had a very concerted effort to, to make sure that he was the one who didn't beat them, and unfortunately, it was the other guys who did. That uh, Sergio Busquets had a very technical game, and he is one of the best to play his position at, at the midfield to spawn. And you had a left back in Jordi Alba who was punching in balls as well. He's probably one of the best left backs to ever play that position. But the fact is, Inter Miami has assembled a squad of three players who have literally done the best at their position that they could possibly do. And even though they're advanced in years. That's very, very hard, and there's still very technical players to be able to stop from Charlotte FC's perspective. So while they might have done successfully trying to take out Messi, he could still have an ancillary impact in certain situations. And you saw that with the, the goal that he scored, the, the closeout thing. He had a secondary assist on uh, one of the goals previously. And also, Adilson uh, Milano just finds himself in a poor position in the goal that uh, made it 3-0. I think the scoreline, like Jessica Traman said, kind of flattered into Miami. It wasn't a 4-0 result. I think we've seen similar results like that in the past in Charlotte FC where that scoreline might have looked a little bit more uh, cosmetically favorable to the opposition than it did themselves. They had some chances. Uh, the Right before the own goal was scored by Dilson Milanda, Charlotte FC had a very high-quality chance that, unfortunately, Patrick Adjumont couldn't get his head behind. If that goal goes from Charlotte FC's perspective, it's a 2-1 game. And we're talking about a much different thing going into uh, the semifinal round, at least from that perspective. But uh, it is a pretty decent team in Miami. and I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and not give them their flowers. But at the same time, Charlotte FC played a lot better than, uh, than the score would indicate. Yeah, because that's the thing I was going to ask, Willie. You know, Miami came into this game. They have one less win than Charlotte FC. And so for the result to turn out the way that it did, I didn't want to maybe broach the topic of maybe them being psyched out coming into the game just because they had Messi. Like, what did you take from the team from a demeanor standpoint and, and just how they battled against that team? Well, the, the unfortunate part about it, Wes, is that they were not able to get the ball back from Inter-Miami. And part of the reason is is that if you try to overexert yourself defensively, that leaves you vulnerable on the back end. And we've talked about Charlotte FC's unfortunate scenario when it comes to their back four all season. They were playing in a scenario where Harrison Offal, while he has been a great player in MLS, uh, is advanced in years at age 37 and was always going to be a difficult matchup with him playing in place of Nathan Byrne, who was out because of a yellow card accumulation suspension in the tournament. If Charlotte FC has Nathan Byrne in that particular position, maybe they tactically play a little bit differently, but instead they played very, very conservatively on the defensive end. Uh, Nathan, I think, was probably their best defender of anybody that played in the tournament, so that was a very significant loss from Charlotte FC's perspective. He also had Andrew Privet, who is still working his way through playing a much different position than he's used to. He's more of a midfielder. They played him at center back instead. So I do feel like Charlotte FC was hampered in trying to get the ball off of Inter-Miami in a significant aspect, which limited their chances going back the other way. And When you allow a team like Inter-Miami to possess the ball, I think at a 64% clip like they did, it unfortunately is going to limit you the other way and obviously uh, make their chances more, uh, more fortuitous and, and more often happening. What do you take from this this League's Cup run that they went on? Because they showed a lot of fight. They played really well. So where do they go from here? 
Well, I think when you combine all the results together and the players they added and also the players they fortified, it's a much better squad that exited the tournament than entered the tournament. Uh, you have two new players who you'll be able to use when the league season comes back in, uh, not only with Breck Diahare, who made his debut during the tournament, but Yeri Yaronin, who, as a left back, uh, once he gets his visa sorted, should be able to debut against LAFC. At least that's what Christian Latanzio has told us in the past. We haven't gotten that for certain, but we'll get an opportunity to hear from him later on this week about that progress. But he'll get integrated into the team over the course of these couple of weeks. I think having the game against Inter-Miami postponed this weekend allows for at least a little bit extra integration and some experimentation because I think there's a definite conversation to be had about what Charlotte FC is doing up front. And whether or not they have Enzo Capetti back available to them, I think will be a very interesting situation because I think we saw in the second half of the game against Inter-Miami that there's a conversation to be had about whether or not Patrick Adjuman and Carol Svedersky deserve to be starting with each other from the start, you had Daniel Rios last year who played a support striker role with Carol Svidersky last year, and that, I think, bore out some of Carol's best attributes and best run of play in a Charlotte FC uniform. I think Ajiman can do the same kind of thing, although Atletanzio is loath to use two forwards up top like that because of what spaces will be available to the opposition in the midfield. I do feel like you have enough quality midfielders to track enough ground, whether it's uh, a combination of Diahare and Westwood, Westwood and Arfield, Arfield and Diahare. Something of that nature has got to happen for Charlotte FC because I do feel like they need to diversify their attack. They've been saying that all season. And I do feel like some combination that has Ajiman and Svidersky up there at a number 9 or a number 10 role will definitely help Charlotte FC able to put more pressure on the opposition and hopefully get more goals in the back of the net. How many Peaky Blinder jokes have you received after your latest thirst trap on Twitter? There was uh, there was one. Um, I don't quite get that <laughs> reference because I've not seen the show, so I might need mm. you guys to explain that one to me. Well, I mean, it's about a gang overseas across the pond in the in late 19th century, and they all have hats like that. And so you definitely look like you belong in the Peaky Blinders. But I like it. I mean, it's a thirst trap, Willie. What possessed you to do this? You just thought you were just feeling cute. My delete later? Was it that kind of mood? Like, what were you thinking with this? Well, well, I, I did buy this hat because, uh, as you guys may or may not know, I am going to, uh, during the off season make my way overseas to, uh, to England and to Rome. So I tried to get some clothes that made me uh, look a little bit more native. And uh, I was trying the hat out. You know, I, I wore, it, uh, wore it out. And, uh, and you know what? Uh, I, I kind of like the look. I do, too. I like British P. It looks fantastic. You look great with it. Uh, last one. Little, we little, were... little bangers and mash, little fish and chips. I'm all for it. No, I mean, you play the part well with this pick. You can find his latest thirst trap on his Twitter handle, at Willie P. Style. Last one before we get you out of here. Oldest T-shirt that you have that you'll still put into your rotation every now and again. Oldest T-shirt, Willie. Oof. I got a couple from college age that, uh, that I'll still wear. Uh, so I would say those are probably... Anywhere between 15, 16 years old. I'll, I'll, I'll throw one of those out there once in a while. All right. I want to see a picture of it on Twitter with you staring off into the distance and not looking at the camera and getting your model on. Willie P., voice of Charlotte FC, the Renaissance man, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Always appreciate it, Willie. We just don't need it uh, upside down in the studio like it's some sort of distress signal like some of my other pictures have been, uh, been used for. Yeah, this one, I don't understand it either. Like, I've seen you staring at me upside down for the last, what, month it's been like this? It's been very weird. I think we're going to have this one stare at Fiddy because Fiddy would be a lot more comfortable with uh, with you staring at him more so than I am. 
you can't have me staring at you upside down. It just that that seems that that offers way too many questions. <laughs> it really does. Willie P, voice of Charlotte FC, helping us out and doing a great job as always. Let's take a quick break. Apologize to Fitty. Going to have to skip the flash because, well, we're just out of time. But we will get to his segment and take a visit to the mound. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. to Willie P hopping on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. We'll put that interview up on our website. You can check it out. Easy to do. Visit WFNZ.com. Go to the podcast tab. Wes and Walker. Very easy to click on as well. And there you can catch all of our best of segments. The ones that we have sound incorporated. The best of hours. Whatever you want to click on. Again, WFNZ.com and then click on the Wes and Walker tab. You can also Catch the visit to the mound then, and you can catch it live right now. Go ahead, Fiddy. Take us on a visit to the mound. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, batter. It's going to be a short game, and i got to get home for lunch. Don't oh, dog. Was as ugly as you. I'd shave his butt. You tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked. She's naked. You think she'd go out with me? I've heard this centro north of 30 times, and I've laughed at the centro north of 30 times. Well, I sent you another one with Bull Durham scene where they actually have <laughs> the famous visit to the mound scene, but you don't want to, which is fine because I love this one too. Yeah, you just maybe need to resend it to me because it might have been lost in the email. It's it, This one is better. I'm not going to argue that. It makes me laugh every time, so I'm not really all that mad, but there are some other visit to the mound intros. Just, yeah, they, they can't beat Sandlot. We're going to have a major league one for next year. We're too late in the baseball season now <laughs> to debut new, new, new imaging. Yeah, we've been trying to get a, a few uh, visit the mound <laughs> intros in there, but it just never makes the rotation. Yeah, it's been kind of busy. So I, I teased yesterday that our visit to the mound was going to be very Braves focused. We typically talk about a lot of things around Major League Baseball, but today we're going to focus on Atlanta. They are the best team in the Major Leagues. They beat the Yankees last night 11-3 to to improve to an MLB best 76-42 and over the weekend. They took uh, three of four from the Mets, including beating New York 21 to three on Saturday in game one of a two game doubleheader. But if you remember my tease from yesterday, I told you guys that the Braves were threatening the all time single season home run record through 118 games. Atlanta has hit 229 dingers. The MLB record is owned by the 2019 Minnesota Twins who went deep 307 times 
you do the math, they're on pace to do that with guys like Matt Olson, who leads the majors with 43 home runs. How much of a threat are the Braves to set a new record? Uh, why should I believe in anything else other than them just hitting dingers the entire rest of the way? You know, I actually had someone like slide into my DMs the other day and ask me, you know, why have they hit so many home runs? And I've told them, I told the person, I was like, you can't pitch around them. Like most lineups, you can pitch or you can pitch around guys to get to their other hitters. They got seven dudes batting 280 or higher. Well, and they're all they're all capable of going deep. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Like, not only do you have average guys batting with a higher average, but you also, okay, well, I guess we just will sacrifice doing the long ball thing, and this guy might be on base, but at least he won't send another run home. All of these guys have the capability, if you're talking about Ronald Acuna, and then, of course, Matt Olson, who does lead the National League in home runs, RBI, slugging, OPS, total bases. Yeah, man, Matt Olson is having a great year. Yeah, and they lead the majors by 43 home runs, so they are knocking them out of the park. It's got to be a lot of fun for those fans to be able to catch some of those uh, balls. Can we talk a little bit more about Matt Olson no. as it pertains to Freddie Freeman? Because, look, man, I just want Freddie Freeman to still get some respect. Ronald Acuna is going to win the NL MVP award, right? Is he going to win it over Matt Olson, or is Olson going to have a real run at this thing, Fitty? Did you hear me, or were you on your phone? I got a text from the Hogfather. Hit me with that again. <laughs> okay, you're good. My question is, is it going to be a clear runaway for Ronald Acuna to win NL MVP, or is Matt Olson going to have a real run at this thing? I, I, I think Acuna, just because of you know, something we're going to talk about here in just a second, his all-encompassing talent, you, you know, and I made the Braves fans mad about a month ago because I said that if, if Shohei wasn't doing Shohei things, in my opinion, Mookie Betts is the second-best player in the game. He's played four different positions for the Dodgers. But Acuna has done some historic types of things, including having stolen 55 bases this year with his home run power, with his ability to throw guys out from the uh, from from right field. But, you know, there are new rules in baseball that have allowed the steal to become more prominent. So, like, is, should, should there be an asterisk beside this? Because 55 is a ridiculous number, but you can only throw over three times. You got the pitch timer. Bases are bigger. It's easier now to steal in the modern Major League Baseball. I feel like they're adapted to the rules, so I think that it should count. No, I mean, well, yeah, there there shouldn't be an asterisk in my opinion. Here's what I really wanted to talk about, though. So all of the bold that you see on Matt Olson's baseball reference page as it mm -hmm. pertains to 2023, all of that bold before he went on this crazy streak the last couple of games, and of course he's had a great year all around. But if you went back and looked at Freddie Freeman's baseball reference page a couple of days ago, just a couple of days ago, Freeman would have had all the bold that Matt Olson has. In total bases, Freeman was leading. In OPS, Freeman was leading. Not in slugging. Olson has had that, and he'll continue to have the slugging. But Freeman and Olson, the guys that were traded for one another, or at least you get the idea, Freeman left, yeah. so that would open up the door for the Braves to go get Matt Olson. Freeman is also having a gear that is very close to Olson, except for the home runs and, yeah, the RBIs. But the average is what is bonkers, and the on-base percentage is bonkers for Freddie Freeman. I just want to point out that Freeman still a little slept on. That guy is absolutely crazy with how good he is. And now he's even having, what, one of the best hitting seasons he's ever had in his career. A guy that's had an MVP award before. 
just just don't want Braves fans to forget about Freddie, even though Matt Olson is coming over here and performing very well. Yeah, no, it makes it easier playing out there in Dodger Stadium. It's a very doubles-friendly ballpark. That's why he hits a lot of them. One thing I want to talk about really quick. I mean, I know y'all aren't baseball people, but y'all know how big analytics are in the sport of baseball and how it's trickled into basketball, even now the NFL. But the Braves, 76-42, and 42, they don't rely on numbers as much as other teams do. Like, analytics tell you to rest, guys. The Braves don't do that. With Atlanta being so dominant the last five years, could you see this maybe start to turn teams off from using computer geeks to field their baseball team? No, because what the Braves are doing is just what we talked about in the first point on visit to the mound. Oh, I guess the blueprint is just hit more home runs than any other Major League Baseball team has done in history. That's the way to break the code. Let's just hit home runs all the time. Let's just have the guy that leads the league in home runs and RBIs. Oh, yeah, and let's not have that guy win the MVP because Ronald Acuna is going to do it despite not leading the league in the categories Matt Olson does. There's no cheat for that. I mean, of course, every team should want to have the most home runs in all of Major League Baseball history. The Braves can do it, so I think that's what allows them to break some of these analytic models that will have one team winning the World Series in the preseason. I know it's just fun to watch, and I think baseball needs teams like this for sure. It makes it fun. It makes it a great TV product as well, man. So definitely going to be tuning in to the Braves. And can they turn this into another championship? We know they won one not too long ago, but can they turn this powerful offense into a ring? All right, we have some Braves fans mad at Fiddy. It would not be a visit to the mound without Braves fans being mad at Fiddy because they feel like you're bleeping on the accomplishments of some of these Braves already. What do you have to say for yourself? Uh, <laughs> I didn't feel like I was trying to hate. I thought it was logistic, or I thought it was an honest, uh, realistic question, and just further proof that the Braves fan base, kind of like the NC State fan base we there deal we with in college athletics, one of the most uh, softest fan bases in all sports. All right. You just took the steering wheel and drove that hate into a ditch. You wanted to go pure <laughs> hatred towards the Atlanta Braves despite trying to bring them some compliments at the beginning of that segment. That'll do it for a visit to the mound. We got another segment for you. It's the Live Wire. Tons of imaging coming your way in the last hour. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.